Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about currency, not monetary currency, but the currency that speaks to your child. Have you ever had a child that you've tried to get to care about something and they just don't seem to care? And you try all of the tactics that you're supposed to and they're just not having that work in their life? I remember one time, my very first child, She's little. She was very bright. She started talking in little baby sentences at 12 months old. She was just a a very verbose child, very intelligent. And I had someone give me the advice because she was also a very stubborn child. And she gave me the advice and she said, what you do is you give your child one choice and then another choice so that they feel like they choose, but both choices are acceptable to you as a parent. So I was like, great, because my little lady is a sassafras and she is so stubborn and she wants what she wants. So I go up to my little baby and I say, do you want yogurt for lunch or do you want sandwich? And she goes, on cheese. And I was like, no, yogurt or sandwich? Aunt cheese. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not one of the two options. And so here I am because you know, I'm a genius and it takes me way too long to figure anything out. But I'm staring at her and I'm arguing with this 12 month old baby about whether or not she gets yogurt or sandwich into, you know, no, no, no cheese. Cheese isn't an option. You can't have cheese right now. And the reason she couldn't have cheese is because she loved cheese so much that she would eat so much cheese. And so you have to, you know, regulate that or else your child is going to be sweating out cheese oils. So I was I just kept trying. I kept trying and you know what? I never won. I never won. And there was another time when she was probably a year and a half old. And this is my oldest. And she's we're in the house and I don't know why this mattered so much to either of us. But a helicopter flies over the house. And I know it's a helicopter, even though I can't see it, because we're kind of in the flight path for the hospitals. The hospital helicopters fly over our house quite often. And so we hear it go over and she looks up at the ceiling and she goes, airplane. And I said, no, helicopter. Because here I am. I'm, you know, I'm instructing her. I'm correcting her. Airplane no helicopter, airplane, no helicopter. And I kid you not, you guys. (laughs) And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this about myself. But we had this argument for three solid minutes, three solid minutes. I don't know why it mattered to me so much that she thought that it was a helicopter. I don't, it doesn't matter. I see that now. But at the time I was like, no, I need to teach her. I need to teach her that that sound is a helicopter and not just always an airplane. It just, it just mattered a lot to me. So sometimes you have a kid who is so stubborn you don't know how to talk to them. And when you have a child that has reactive attachment disorder, you tend to get some pretty stubborn kids. And if your child, whether reactive attachment disorder or not, has no currency, then you find yourself between a rock and a hard place. But the truth is, I think most kids have a currency. 
even the really hard ones. I think there is that thing that you say, hey, this is what I use to tell you that this is really important. Now, that same first kid that I have, hers is sugar. For some reason, if I take away treats from her, I mean, she's old now. (laughs) If I take away treats, she's like, okay, I'll listen. Like that's her currency. When she's getting into places and having her meltdowns and her things that the kids have, I say this as as someone who was a kid that had a lot of meltdowns. But I, if I say you're about to lose treats, that is what she listens to. It wasn't timeouts. Timeouts didn't matter. It wasn't taking stuff away. Stuff didn't matter. But it, if you take away her treats, whoa, and we don't, we don't even have a lot of treats, you guys, like we are not a treat heavy family. And yet that just, that was her currency that spoke to her. Well, then I have my second kid and my second kid could care less about treats. He doesn't care. As a matter of fact, he doesn't get many treats because he tends to have a lot of blood sugar issues. If you put the kid in timeout, he is like in heaven. That kid has an imagination that would make Mark Twain jealous. Like he could sit on his bed, stare at the, you know, the lines in the ceiling and just be like so happy for hours. So that was not his currency. That didn't speak to him. He what he didn't feel threatened by that. But when I took away screens, whoa, he is willing to get in line for screens. <laughs> he is willing to do not hit his sister for screens. He is willing to do that. That's his currency. Ironically, and my kids hate when I bring this up, but my third child doesn't really have a currency. He's actually fairly amiable and he tends to go you know, along with things. But one thing he really does hate is getting put in timeout. Partially because I think he beats himself up. So I don't like to put him in timeout that much. But also because I think that his one of his love languages kind of being around everybody. So to be like exiled to the room hurts his feelings. And it's really hard for him. But he also is fairly amiable. So it doesn't really come up that often. Now, (laughs) now we hit this adorable youngest child that I have, who is the inspiration for this podcast. When she was in her deepest, darkest moments, there was no currency. She had no currency. I couldn't figure it out. You could take anything away. She would just stare at you and just like fantasize all these horrible things that she was going to do to like get back at you. You couldn't, I couldn't find it. I couldn't, timeouts didn't matter. Because if she was in timeout, she was screaming. And if she was screaming, she knew she was punishing me. And she was perfectly content with that. That was, she was perfectly fine. And as I've said in previous podcasts, this girl could scream for eight hours, 10 hours in a row and and not get hoarse and still have all of her voice left. It was a superpower a really crappy superpower. (laughs) I mean, it worked for her. We actually had this book. This is just a side note called um, Batman and the Silver Banshee. And I got it before she ever came to us and to be in our family. But it's about this banshee who screams really loud and it breaks windows and it makes people have to cover their ears and so she can take what she wants kind of a thing. (laughs) So there was... (laughs) There was a time where 
her older brother was reading her that book because she really liked Batman. And so he was like, whoa, this is her, huh? <laughs> I was like, it certainly seems like it, doesn't it? Because that girl had a scream on her and it was her superpower. It was her thing. And I couldn't find her currency. So one day on accident, I found her currency. She has the type of reactive attachment disorder called disinhibited social engagement disorder. And what that is, is she loves people. She loves every single person that she comes across. She thinks they're the best. She thinks, and then she puts on this show, which is amazing because not only is it a good show, but then I also am like, I know she's going to behave herself for a certain period of time. And I feel like that's really lucky. (laughs) But, but she would, I said to her, I'm like, if you do not be good, then you cannot go to grandma's. Whoa, I ended up with the most dramatic tantrum. And I thought, oh my goodness, it didn't look like currency for a long time. It didn't look like the thing that I could use that she was really like threatened by or that she, I mean, that's a very intense word, but, but that would kind of pull her into making good decisions. But I recognized as time went on that it's because she wasn't capable of making good decisions. That wasn't a skill set that her brain offered for her. So the way that her currency showed up, showed up differently than it did in my less neurodivergent children. Because with them, they had the processing capabilities to sort of hit reason and hit logic faster. But she didn't have that. So the way that it showed up was, you know, crazy tantrums and super anger. And I had to take it apart and dissect it and talk to her when she was calm. And I would say, you know what? I know that you love going to grandma's or to friend's house or to whatever it is that she loved. I know you love seeing these people, even preschool. When it was time to go to preschool, I mean, she lost her mind, but I can't send her to preschool having lost her mind. So I had to switch it into a logical thing for her and say, I can't have you go when you act like this. And because you've been acting like this a lot, I am afraid you're going to act like this at grandma's or at preschool or whatever it was at friend's house. So you're not going to get that if you act this way. So then when it came up to the time and she's losing her mind and she's throwing her tantrums, I could say, I'm sorry, grandma's is taken away. I'm sorry, friends is taken away. I'm sorry, school's not going to happen tomorrow. You can't go because of this behavior. Because I told you, if this is how your behavior is, then I can't trust that you're going to be obedient at school and not do this kind of behavior. And of course, this would lead to tantrums and crying because, I mean, when she's not well, everything leads to tantrums and crying. So it's not something that's surprising. But over time, and here's the advice that I would give to you guys that I don't take myself, that I'm giving to you and I'm giving to me. My biggest advice about this is create a scale for yourself. 
Because if you automatically jump into the most severe punishment, just because you need them to comply and you need this to happen and it's on a deadline or whatever it is, if you immediately jump to that, then you're going to have to stick to that. And there were times when I'm like, surely she will do this because she wants to go to grandma's. Surely she will do this. And she wouldn't do it. (laughs) And I would be stuck with my decision. And I would have to hold by it because consistency is absolutely critical in any child. And if not even more so with kids who've been traumatized, they need that security, they need that expectation. And sometimes, you know, you jump to the worst and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to follow through. What do I do? And there are times when you cannot follow through with it, that you offer something up and you're like, oh my gosh, I went to the extreme, but it's grandma's birthday. We have to go. Or it's everybody's coming for her and you've got 20 people waiting at this little party for her. And so you're like, I guess we have to go. And in times like that, you can say, you know what? I spoke too harshly. You did wrong, but there's 20 people that we have to consider. So I am changing this punishment from you do get to go to grandma's, but you're not going to be able to watch TV for two days or however you decide your scale. But if you have a scale, you can create more familiarity with the process. It's kind of like when you count to three, you're like one, two, you know, and you kind of build up to three and they know every time that if you hit three, then they have lost all of their chances and then they get their punishment for whatever reason. Say that they're punching each other. No, you just stop punching. (laughs) You stop the punching. That was a bad example. But one thing our little one likes to do is when it's time for bed, she gets out of bed a bunch of times and then she'll like, you'll say, it's time for you to get in bed and she will just slowly go up the stairs. And sometimes she'll stick her feet to go up the stairs and stick her hands to kind of crab walk behind her and like crab walk up the stairs backwards. And I'm like, no, like... (laughs) It's time for you to get in your bed. And then, you know, you one, two, three, and you know by three that she's getting something taken away and she's going to get a punishment because she didn't make it through the three. She had three chances. But if you have a process, a series of steps where you say, okay, I've said this and she hasn't complied. So if you don't listen, I'm giving you three more chances to listen or and you can build up your own set of steps so that you have that instead of constantly digging in the deepest part of the barrel and getting yourself stuck (laughs) because some stuff seems so important. And there are times when it is absolutely appropriate to go to the worst thing first. When you have to hit the deepest punishment, I mean, say the the punching thing is the scenario when your child is punching the other child and you're trying, I, this happened once when I was on the phone. So I'm going to use this as an example, because of course, if I was there, I would physically stop my child from hitting the other child. But one time I was on the phone and my kids are mad and they're yelling at each other and one is hitting and I And I pump into mom gear and I'm giving the deepest punishment first because they're not stopping. I can't do anything else. This is what I do. I give the biggest punishment because I do think that in our situation is important to say, no, I have an expectation, especially when I'm not around, that you are going to be kind to each other. 
I have the expectation when I am around, but I know that I'm like the dispute resolver. And for any of you that are very concerned, my children are all old enough to be home by themselves, except the little one. (laughs) She's not old enough yet. It doesn't happen anyway, because she's not mature enough yet. And there are legal laws that my kids all surpass, but there's also maturity levels that my kids all surpass. So except for that little one. So know that, and hopefully that will comfort you as to why I'm at the grocery store dishing out punishments to my kids while I'm standing in the produce section. I mean, motherhood is just such a classy thing sometimes. I think a long time ago, people used to be able to be very classy in the way that they were parents. I'm not really sure, but I imagine. But I also know that they used to let their kids just roam free. So I imagine it was just a different world back then. But if you can set yourself a game plan, give yourself something that they can have an expectation about and you can have an expectation about and then learn their currency, learn your children's currency. And instead, and I've said this to my kids multiple times because my kids are are very happy to point out a lot of the flaws of my parenting. But I say, I, you guys are different kids. I parent you different because you are different kids. And then I flat out say, oldest, your your currency is candy. Your currency is sugar. Second, your currency is screens. You know, and I am able to have these conversations with them because they need to know why I am treating them differently. But they also need to know it's because they're different kids. I wouldn't use what worked on kid A for kid B because it doesn't work for him. He doesn't care about it. But what I am aiming for is overall success for my children. I'm aiming for them to be able to grow up and function as contributing members of society at the lowest. That's my that's my low point of what I'm aiming for. And I'd like them to be successful grownups, successful in their ability to regulate their emotions, successful in their ability to understand feelings, successful in their ability to keep a job. My children are valuable and they're excellent and they're wonderful kids. And I am by no means saying I'm a wonderful parent. I've probably messed up more than what I imagine most people mess up as. But what I am saying is my goal is those kids. I want them to succeed. And in order to do that, I have to be able to guide them. And in order to do that, I have to find their currency. I have to find how to get them to know that what I am saying is of value enough that I'm willing to take away something that matters to them. And some suggestions, I I just really was surprised how much sugar was just lovely. Take away sugar. (laughs) My youngest, this is not her currency, but I take away sugar from her all the time. Because first off, sugar is terrible for her. She has a horrible reaction emotionally when she's had a lot of sugar. So I remember one time I can't figure out what to do with her. I can't figure out. So I just take it away because I'm like, I'm not going to give it to her anyway. And she, oh my gosh, she will lie about anything. She will steal anything. But for some reason, I mean, she'll even steal candy. But for some reason, you know, we'll be at school or we'll be at grandma's or we'll be at church. And she'll say, I can't have any of that. I'm grounded. I grounded from sugar. 
you know, I think, I think she started telling everybody because she wanted to get me in trouble for grounding her from sugar, but she'll do it. She will not have those things. And it makes her sad sometimes, but she'll do it. And I, you know, I'll hug her and she'll cry and I'll say, I'm so sorry, lady, but you know, you did lose it. Also, sugar's not very good for you. It's good for you not to have it because it makes you crazy and then you get in more trouble. So, so far it's worked for us. Anyway, that is just my hint of the day. Hopefully it will be helpful. Of course, take and leave whatever works best for you. And thanks for joining today.